How do you go about creating a single design system that has to support multiple brands and products at the same time? What's the impact of design systems for startups versus large companies? We'll find out in today's conversation with SurveyMonkey's Mike Dick. This is Design Driven, the podcast about using design thinking to build great products and lasting companies. Whether you're running a startup or trying something new inside of Fortune 1000, the tools, methods, and insights we talk about will help you create things people love. Design Driven is brought to you by Nine Labs, guiding innovators and product teams through executing their vision. Find out more at NineLabs.com. And now, your host, Jay Cornelius. Hey, everyone. We're back today with Mike Dick. He has been around the tech scene for quite a while. He's worked for a number of startups, uh, working on design systems, uh, including companies like Quora and Twitch. And he is now the design systems lead and design technologist at SurveyMonkey. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad we could make time. Um, so what's going on in your world? Like what's happening at SurveyMonkey? What are you excited about working on? Yeah, so at SurveyMonkey, I uh, focus full-time on the design systems team where we're really focused on trying to help bridge and bridge the gap between designers and engineers using our design system and trying to help them work better together. And, um, and that's really what, what we're focused on today. So how do you um, how do you do that? Like I think most people listening know what a design system is. So is SurveyMonkey flavor of design system any different from what you might expect, or are you doing something that's kind of new and unique? Um, you know, it's everything. I think we've probably all you know seen a little bit of it in different various design systems across our industry. But I'd say that you know what we're focused on is like really really good documentation for our designers and engineers you know, making sure those two things are in the exact same location so that, you know, designers and engineers both go to the same resources to, to work together. Um, you know, making sure they are speaking the same vernacular, you know, a button is a button or a pop-up is a pop-up, you know, same with colors and things like that, you know, but also making sure that our tool sets for, for both design and engineering play well together. Yeah, I think that's an important point, like having all the documentation and all the assets in the same place for everybody and then making sure that you're all using the same words for things. Because a lot of times teams stumble when one group calls something uh, a button and another group calls it something else. Yeah. And also um, not just, you know, solving these problems at the SurveyMonkey, uh, like survey product level. You know, if you follow SurveyMonkey, we have four or five different portfolio companies across our company. And they all operate very independently of the actual surveymonkey.com product. So we're also trying to solve these problems across different product companies, uh, in which you know, could try to make our system as brand agnostic or as product, product agnostic as possible. Uh, very similar to how you know, maybe a lot of uh, design systems, you'll hear them say they're tech agnostic. Well, we try to be agnostic all the way through so that you know, we're not trying to... Um, tell all these companies inside of our company how to design their products. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're kind of operating a design system at a more macro level than you might see in other organizations because you've got multiple brands or multiple products all using the same set of assets at a core level and then building out their individual needs from there. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, what we try to do is we try to only include things in our design system that we consider 
a industry best practice or a survey monkey across the board best practice uh, so so that what that ends up being is most of our core components that are inside of our like design system are pretty you know if you fall back on the brad frost atomic design model it's there are a lot of atoms and maybe some molecules you know where you know you put these atoms together to make you know a search button or a search box but we really try to you know we're very careful about making an opinionated decision on something like an organism because we we fall back on our product teams to kind of have their own or the, the companies to kind of have their own subset design system that extends our design system which then they kind of start to make their own decisions from an organism level yeah that's interesting so navigation might look different in different products but it's all based upon a core design system where you define best practices uh, kind of based on what the industry does or what your specific company needs are across all those different uh, sub-organizations. Yep. So are you defining anything about uh, like color and typography at the highest level or is all that down to the brands? We are. We, we, uh, we define color, typography, color usage, you know, how, how, far you're, you can tint the colors to still stay accessible. You know, we focus on accessibilities, best, you know, best practices. Um, you know, we, we also focus on, you know, motion. So how does our lay, how, how should like different components enter and exit the viewports and the screens? And then also writing, um, how should our products tone and voice be within our components, but also within your, your own areas. Yeah, that's super interesting too. And and something that a lot of groups tend to skip over, like they think about the visuals as being the, the core piece of what a design system means, but voice and tone is also super uh, important. So how do you go about, um, I guess, providing guidance for voice and tone? Is that any different from how you're providing guidance for the more visual components? Um, you know, it, Voice and tone, you know, it came, it comes from like the brand guidelines, you know, how, how should we, what should our voice and tone be? But we have a very strong content writing strategy team that they really own, you know, we partner with them to help us, um, you know, write guidelines for how our buttons should, uh, language should be and, and things like that. Yes. That's so all the way down to the micro copy, right? Yeah. All the way down to the micro copy. And so a lot of times when it comes to how we, you know, is writing similar to, you know, writing a, doing a writing guideline similar to doing a visual guideline, it's, it's not so, so similar in the sense that with our visual and our UX guide, you know, guidelines, like our components, we have a lot of UX and like industry best practices that we fall back on. Whereas with, um, writing guidelines uh, when partnering with um, the the content writing teams, you know, they, there are best practices in terms of like how you should write, you know, language and things like that. Uh, but it's also adding similar, like in the sense that you add your own little flair or, you know, your own little color to a component, you can kind of add your own little tone to a, to a writing guideline. And is that different at, a, at the individual product level or is that still kind of a company wide thing? we're trying to make it a company wide thing right now uh, in 2019, you know, this whole like brand agnostic uh, uh, vision that we have for our system is starting to come to 
come to light and it's starting to expand into multiple products in our company. And with that, writing will come with it. Got it. So in your time at SurveyMonkey, like how have you seen the use of the design system, including all the voice and tone guidelines and, and, and everything that uh, is incorporated within that? How have you seen that affect your ability to ship product uh, more consistently or maybe faster or like what, how have you seen the design system benefit the business? Well, first, first and foremost, we have a very small design team compared, you know, the compared like the designer to engineer ratio at our company. Um, you know, it, it's not like if you asked any designer on our team, we would be like, yo, we need like three times more designers. So what that means is a lot of our product teams, they don't actually have designer staffed on them, especially like internal teams or, um, you know, admin, like administration teams. So those teams move a heck of a lot faster than if they didn't have a design system. So like engineers can maybe just have a quick jam session with a designer uh, who's that designer is kind of doing a side gig and kind of just helping out like, you know, a helping hand. And then those uh, engineers are leveled up their velocity and their ability to ship goes, you know, uh, speeds up a lot faster. Um, and then in terms of like, um, you know, we, we will often, um, you know, when there's less friction in the process, everyone, everything moves smoother. So design systems help remove a lot of friction from um, not just communication and, and speaking the same vernacular, but, you know, not having to focus on pixel fitting every little detail. And, you know, the design QA goes a lot faster because, you know, we're not having to fudge pixels, one or two pixels here or there to just match the system. So that when it comes to like business value, it's a lot of removing the friction in the process helps, helps us focus on those customers problem a lot more. Yeah. So not having to deal with whether or not something is 28 pixels or 29 pixels, not having to think about that level of detail. Uh, it sounds like it frees you up to think about the actual problem you're solving for the customer instead of trying to solve little tiny problems for yourself. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, during design critiques that, that I am, I'm invited to, you know, I've noticed a little bit that, you know, we don't really talk about color and visuals um, as much. We, you know, we really dive, you know, I've seen that our design, our product designers dive into, you know, they're talking about like high level strategy and work, you know, user flows um, and, you know, how they're communicating with their, the PMs and the engineers on the team. And then like really focused on the customer's problem and never rarely are we saying, well, is that the right color or, you know, is that the right button? Should you use that button there? So we're able to like just focus on, on the customer more. Yeah, which is actually what a designer should be doing, right? As a product designer, you should be thinking about how the, the product can help the customer accomplish a task instead of nitpicking over the width or height of something. Yep. So when uh, when we were together last time, you mentioned something that intrigued me about your role in the company kind of um, morphing depending on who you talk to about um, the designers think that you're an engineer and the engineers think you're a designer. So can you talk a little bit about that dynamic and like how that helps um, kind of smooth over that relationship between the, the right brain and the left brain people? Yeah. So I, it comes down to, I think, two things is one, trust or even just, you know, trust, but also to, um, you know, being able to communicate thoughtfully to who I'm talking to. So, um, 
you know, if I'm talking to an engineer, I, I can kind of choose whether I should be talking like an engineer or talking like a designer to help them, you know, understand the design process more or help them solve an engineering problem. And when I can do that, you know, just when design technologists in general, people who can kind of bridge that gap, you know, that builds trust. And same with the design team as, you know, um, sometimes they mostly see me as a, uh, as an engineer because I'm often helping them understand engineering constraints and um, how, you know, what they're envisioning, like helping them kind of arm them with tips and tricks on how, when they bring this in front of their engineer, how they can talk and communicate to their engineer. Um, and then trying to like have like a lens of the design system on top of that. But when it comes to like, you know, straddling that line between design and engineering, it really comes down to helping build those relationships uh, by helping the other side respect or even just better understand the, the, the other counterpart. Yeah, sure. So it sounds like, you know, you're in a pretty unique position in the company um, and I don't know how many other companies have somebody like you with your skill set in that same similar role. Would you say that um, that's kind of a uh, a mandatory or you know a a, um, a thing that more companies need is somebody in that role that bridges the gap, or does the design system kind of do that on its own? I think a strong design system leader is someone who can bridge that gap and and talk you know, to both sides, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm saying that, you know, the designer should code or the coder should design, but at least, yeah, let's not start. You know, yeah. Yeah. But at least have like an understanding and, you know, um, and I I've seen, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people, who, you know, a lot of designers who can code and who are, could, could be in like a position like this. Yeah. So it sounds like whether or not you've got a specific role cut out for that in the org chart, it makes a lot of sense to have somebody who plays that position of um, like a design system advocate. Do you see that role as being you are communicating the value of the design system to the rest of the team or is the team telling you what you need and then you go back and figure out how to create that? Um, it's a little bit of both. So, and it kind of is like a wave where there's times where um you know, we keep our ears open to the team and we really try to listen and understand the pain points. And then once we understand the pain points, we then kind of dip back down and kind of go heads down and kind of build and understand, you know, try to find a, figure out a solution for like what their problems are. And then we'll come back up and um, show the team, you know, and I, I, I like a peek at what the solution that we're working on for them. Um, but I want to kind of go back real quick to kind of like this type of role where it's, you know, um, like a design technologist or, you know, sometimes they're called UX engineers. You know, every company I've been at, whether it's a startup or even a large company, I've always been hired to be just a product designer. Um, I, and but when I joined the company, somehow I've always been able to carve my path, you know, to to show the worth of that designer and engineering bridge and like how we can communicate better. Um, so I think that, you know, right now in this industry, it, design systems play a great role to help kind of educate and kind of open the space up for, for a role like this. And then thereafter, you can kind of use that design system to, to, to be an advocate for one, 
this translator, this, this role that's a translator, but also the translator can be an advocate for the system at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. So specifically because you're working on a system that has subsystems attached to it, if you will. So you're working on the overall brand system and then the one for the individual products. Um, we share a mutual friend, Marty Ringland. He said at one point that we should be solving the customer's customer problem. So how do you see um, you know, your role or the, the role of the design system in cascading down to solving the actual user of the products problems? Like how, yeah. how does that work through getting feedback from a user saying, I can't figure out this, this piece of the interface back up to the design system for some type of implementation then rolling back out to all the products? Yeah. So our design systems team when we talk about customers, our customer is the designers and developers inside of our company. But our customer's customer is, you know, the actual end customer, the, the customer using our product. Um, and, and that, you know, that sometimes, you know, you know, when you're a design system, you know, you can be, you know, we're, we're really focused on improving our customer's experience, which is like our designers and engineers, helping them use the system helping them do their job better, just as if when the product designers, they're helping their customers do their job as efficiently as possible. We're trying to do the same thing, but just kind of at a macro level for our own designers and engineers um, so that they can, once again, focus more on their customer and solve their customers' problems. Right. So you're never losing sight of the, the end user, the person who's actually creating surveys or taking surveys for that matter. But it mm -hmm. sounds like you're and reaching through that experience to understand how to apply that at a much broader level across the entire company. Yeah, correct. You know, oftentimes, you know, we, we sometimes, our design systems team can sometimes maybe feel like we don't sit close enough to our customers. So we'll be sure to, you know, um, often go sit in user testing or just like go talk to customers. You know, we have a big user ops team that we will try to sit into like and listen to how customers feel about the product just to just to make sure that we keep a tie to our customers yeah that's super important this might be a challenging question to answer but i'm going to ask you anyway um, <laughs> mostly because you've you've been in startups you've you've been a co-founder of some startups um, as a founder or as a executive stakeholder in a larger company like twitch or quora what would you see or how would you explain the business advantage of using a design system to somebody that doesn't really understand what it is or, or the power of it? Yeah, I would say that that depends on the size of company I'm talking to. While like the deliverables are probably all the same, you know, like a coded UI library or a sketch sticker sheet, um, the the purpose kind of changes. So you know, at small startups, typically there's less designers. If it's a small enough startup, maybe they have no designers. And so a design system, you know, you know, we all want to like say, yes, we want to design and build more consistently. But at smaller startups is more like it's, it's less about designing consistently and more about building consistently because your engineers, you might have 10 engineers and, and no designers. And so if you have a sticker sheet, that no designers can use, do you have a sticker sheet, you know, and kind of like the tree falls and, you know, do you hear the sound? Um, so you're really at a small startup want to focus on, you know, speeding up 
engineering velocity, building as fast as possible, shipping as fast as possible. Um, because in startups, you know, often two, three month projects are dangerous. Whereas in larger companies, we can talk more about design consistency and also building consistently. Uh, so it sounds like um, the value, the business value of a design system changes a little bit depending on objectives or the size of the company. But regardless of the company size, whether it's one person just trying to crank out an app real fast or you know, a large corporation with hundreds of designers, like the value is still there. It's just perceived in a slightly different way. Yeah. All right. So last question for the day. Um, where do you see design systems going? Like they've expanded quite a bit over the past couple of years as they've grown in popularity. Where do you see people uh, being able to apply the same types of methodologies or same types of thinking that a design system brings that might even further enhance our ability to ship consistently and faster and at a higher level of quality? Yeah. You know, that's a great question because if you think about kind of in the past 20 years where our industry, like as a product designer has gone, you know, our, our skill set has kind of over time slowly become commoditized. So for instance, back in the day, we were web designers building, you know, home pages. And then eventually, um, you know, those home pages got commoditized by, you know, things like, you know, these nice website builders, like, um, Squarespace, um, where now the the use of a web designer wasn't quite as necessary anymore. And then the, the design of homepage design kind of got commoditized. And then we kind of morphed into, um, you know, product design. And now that we're kind of in this very mature state when it comes to product design, we're kind of all seeing products all looking the same, very similar to how kind of like, we all kind of joke about all landing pages look like one or two or three layouts. And it's because we've highly modified or at least optimized web page, you know, home pages to be very efficient. Right. Same we know with what product works. design. Yeah, we know what works. Same with product design. You know, we kind of have learned what works and what doesn't work. And product design is kind of, you could, you know, this is a, probably an unpopular opinion, but it's also kind of starting to become commoditized. Well, then if you look, the good web designers back in the days transitioned into product design. The better, the good product designers have been transitioning into uh, design system uh, leads and designers and things like that, system thinkers. And now we're getting into a place where design systems are starting to be kind of commoditized as well, or will be soon, where, you know, good atomic patterns are always going to be good atomic patterns and molecules. So we're going to kind of kind of similar to how those three we'll see those things uh, we'll see design systems get commoditized and we're starting to see some of these systems thinkers move into more like tooling and processes and how do people how do how can we help people use the system better so i think that um, the future of design systems is they're still going to be around but we're going to start to apply those systems that systems thinking to tooling and processes workflows collaboration all the touchy-feely things uh, of, of how we build what we build. Yeah, and I think we're already starting to see some of that with some of the new tools that are coming out um, and some of the thinking or some of the conference talks around um, design operations. Um, there's been a lot of good information published recently around how good design teams or, or, or good product teams operate. 
And with the design system kind of sitting at the core of all of that, it does seem like we're seeing more and more people thinking about now that we have this tool, we can, what's the next thing that we can improve upon, right? It's kind of designers designing their own design process, which is a bit meta, but, but we see it. Happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, thanks for being on the show today. I, I super appreciate your insight and um, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Um, if anybody wants to connect with you, maybe hear more about what you're working on, um, chat about stuff in general, like what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, you can email me at mike at m1k3.net or catch me on Twitter at mikeD1CK. Got it. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks again, dude. Um, hope to see you again soon. Thanks for being on the show and uh, we'll catch up. Thank you so much. Uh, have a good day. That's it for today. Design Driven is brought to you by Nine Labs, guiding innovators and product teams through executing their vision. Find out how they can help improve your digital products at NineLabs.com. Have comments, questions, or an idea you'd like us to cover? Point your browser to designdriven.biz and click Contact Us at the top of your screen. We'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends and colleagues about the Design Driven Pod. Post on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or send them an email and tell them to go to designdriven.biz or wherever they find their podcasts. Until next time, remember what Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, said. Good design is good business. <laughs>